it's your boy, Larry Long Jr. Welcome to the Cold Calling Podcast, Season 2, Episode 1. This is number one for me, the inaugural episode of the Cold Calling Podcast. I'm honored to be your host. Woo! Now, hey, bear with me. I got to calm myself down because I am pumped, pumped for today's guest. Oh, it is crazy. I can see him in the green room smiling. He might even be crying. But hey, first things first, the Cold Calling Podcast is powered by my friends at Monster Connect, helping B2B sellers leverage technology to deliver actual conversations. We want connections. What would it be like if you could connect and speak with eight to 12 decision makers per hour? Yes, our hope is to provide insights from sales reps and sales leaders to help you on this podcast. Yes, you, we wanna help you understand and succeed in sales. So hey, as your host, we're gonna get this thing rocking and rolling. I am going to welcome our guest. I am honored to welcome today's guest who I, he doesn't call himself this, I call him the godfather of modern sales training. He's a University of Maryland alumni, go Terps. He's the host of the Make It Happen Mondays, B2B Sales Talk podcast. He's also known as the father to Charlotte, who is a world-renowned Girl Scout cookie seller. And John is also the author of the book. I hope you can see it. I want to be in sales when I grow up. You got to get it. His amazing accomplishments, his list of accolades are too numerous to name. We'd be here all day and all night, which I know some of y'all would like. I know I would, but hey, let's get into it. Uh, he is on a mission to elevate the people and the profession of sales. Now, a little sidebar. I'll never forget a company I worked for. They were a unicorn. I won't say their name, Pendo. <laughs> oh, excuse <laughs> me. I remember we had John come in for filling the funnel and drive the clothes. This was back circa 2017, and John absolutely tore it up. Let's give a cold calling podcast warm welcome to our guest, John. <laughs> man i need you to do i know i need you to do all my intros man i need you to do, i i told people that i told people to come to this for for obviously the knowledge but just to just to put a smile on your face i told people like look anytime i'm having a bad day anytime i'm in a bad mood i just hit up my boy larry and i you cannot leave without smiling so i just like all that stuff, man. Thank you so much for that. I feel honored to be here. So I appreciate everything, man. Man, the honor is all mine. I'm blushing. I don't know if you've ever seen a brother blush. <laughs> the terps. Uh, we're going to start off with, I call this segment, the who, what, and why. Please Wait, tell I, oh, hold on. Let me, get, let me get my mic. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh man. I had he, to get it. I had to get had it. a surprise. I didn't know he was going to drop it on me like it's hot. Just don't yep. drop the mic, John. Drop it. Oh, and and hold still, hold still. And where's my I, – I don't get a pink bat, but I got my bat. <laughs> man, this, this dude came prepared. There's a reason why I love this man. John, please tell us who are you, what do you do, and why do you do it? I'm I'm looking at the comments. People are already buzzing. The mic is all yours. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm I'm not as important as Larry put me up to be. I appreciate all that, though. But yeah, I'm just look, you know, I, I do sales training at the end of the day. But, you know, people ask me, I'm, I'm a salesperson that happens to train. Like, I don't I don't consider myself a trainer because, you know, I don't like trainers who, you know, you hold, hear, hear the whole adage, like, if you can't do it, teach it. Right. And that's why I never wanted to get into this. But when I got into it and realized I could sell first and then train and live it, uh, that's where I, I fell in love with it. So, you know, I do sales training. We like you name the two programs, fill in the funnel, driving to close. And we train on tactics on getting meetings and scheduling calls and running through negotiations. And I work with some cool companies out there, the ones that are run, you know flying high these days. I mean, Salesforce is kind of where I built my career uh, in training, trained all their whole pretty much their entire Salesforce between about 2010, about 2020 and working with a lot of the other SaaS companies, the Googles, the Amazons, but also the Octas and tier twos and threes and fours all the way through. So having a fun time doing it, man, and and just really trying to do my best to, to elevate this profession because I genuinely believe that sales, uh, when done right, is the greatest profession and is one of the greatest professions in the world. When done wrong, though, it's one of the worst. And I'm just trying to help people to do it right. Man, and you're doing it well. And I want to give you your flowers while you're here. Thank you. <laughs> for all that you do for the profession of sales, supporting those that are looking to up level. It's absolutely amazing. Now, I know we're going to focus on AI. You can call me <laughs> chat GPT doing the robot, but hey, I'm, I'm going to go into spill the tea. I need you to spill the tea, John. I, got I, need, mine too. I need to know. And the people want to know what in the world are you seeing out there yeah. in the world of sales? What's the pulse What's the outlook? Spill it for us. <laughs> yeah, I think this is. Look, I've been I've been following since 2017. There was a, so there's this one email that I started out with when I started with Basho, uh, and it was called the Why You Why You Now email, developed by Jeff Hoffman, right? And it was a super highly personalized email and all. And I got a lot of business out of that. That's how I got into Salesforce and HP and all that stuff. But um, but around 2017, you know, 15, I started seeing the decrease in in the quality or the response rates, right? Because the cadence tools were coming out. And then around 2017, I got hit up with a couple of reps who left Salesforce and they created this artificial intelligence bot. And it was based off of my email. And I was like, they were like, oh, we want to send you a sample. And I was like, all right, whatever. How good can this thing be? Right. And what they sent me, quite frankly, scared the crap out of me. And I was like, because it was it was it was super personalized. And I asked them, like, wait a minute a human had nothing to do with this. And they were like, no, well, we pointed it at the article, but it wrote itself. And I was like, and it wrote it in 60 seconds. And I was like, uh Oh, right. Cause I'm like, this is like, this is all my, like, this is what I train people how to do. And now it's a Gmail plugin. Right. And I remember going to Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Gary V had this uh, 4d session where you can go to his office and you sit down with about like 10 or 15 other entrepreneurs and all the executives come in and they talk to you about what's happening with their brands and all that other stuff. And then Gary comes into the end and does a Q and a, and I asked him at the time, I was like, Gary, and he hates Patriots, by the way, he hates Bostonians, like in a very deep way. Like he hates Patriots players so hard. You like, I, and so we got in a little bit of argument. I was like, could you just like stop it? Like, would you make the Jets okay? It's not even fun to hang out with y'all anymore because you're just too easy to beat up. But that's a side story. But anyways, I asked him, I was like, Gary, I just saw this video. I, I just saw this email uh, of a AI bot that that did something better than I could do. Like, where, where does that leave us? And he said something that sticks with me to this day about what's happening right now. He said, John, don't worry about the tech. You're not going to beat it. He goes, but be the last mile. He goes, let the tech do all the heavy lifting, right? Let, let, it, let it write the email. Let it do the research. Let it come up with the questions. But before you hit send, right before you hit send, make sure you humanize it. 
because because in, until computers buy from computers, like once that happens, then I think we're in some trouble, right? But as long as there's a person on the other end of that line, I think we're in. I think we have a chance. So, and I'm going to tie that to what's happening today. Like Salesforce, as you and I know, came out with this um, <clears throat> state of sales report. And it talked about, and we've all heard the stat before about how I, I think it was like either 27 only 27 to 37% of a sales rep's time is actually focused on selling. Yep. And if you look at all the other sections that sales reps spend their time on, you can now look at AI to address every single one of those things, right? Because a lot of them are admin stuff, research, implementing into CRM. And so I think what we're, what we're faced with right now is, first of all, the client, I think the no value interaction um, between sales and cl customer right now, the tolerance for that is over this year. Because I, if when I can get more value out of going into ChatGPT and asking a question about your business than I can with you on a call, wasting my time running me through crappy ass Bant and droning through a demo, like I, I my tolerance for that level of value from a sales rep or lack of is gone. And so I think that's key. So so one more stat that I'll throw in is Gartner came out with this, said that on average, it, it, they averaged out Gen X, um, boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials, and it was B2B buyers. And, the, un, and they came up with, on average, 43% of people want a rep-free experience when they're buying something. They do not want a sales rep involved. So that's the bad news. The, and because it's just going to get worse with Gen Z coming in, right? But the yeah. good news is, is that of those 43% that that <clears throat> wanted a rep-free experience, they had a 23% higher regret rate. So they regretted the decision 23% of the time, which tells me there's value where of sales reps can bring, right? It's just different than... It's not blasting out template emails, asking generic bank questions, droning through demos and offering discounts. That's what sales has been, quite frankly, for the past 10 years in SaaS. Like, I'm sorry, it has not been that hard, right? We've been able to get away with blasting out those template emails, setting up calls with anybody with a pulse and then throwing a discount over, the, right? Now that sales is hard, we've lost sight of the fundamentals and AI is coming and doing a lot of that admin stuff way better than we ever would. And so I think we just, you know, I'll finish with, I think AI is going to make good sales reps great, great sales reps incredible, but average sales reps irrelevant. Ooh, are you telling me that the average sales rep might be going extinct? Might be? No, are. Like are. I'm watching it. Think about, think about all the SDR groups that are getting crushed right now, like just hacked off. Like, you know how many CROs I'm talking to right now that are like, yep, we just either restructured our entire SDR organization or we've gotten rid of it and we've gone in a different direction. Now, I want to make a point, though. It's not their fault. This, it's, it, because it's leadership's fault what, how we've gotten into the position that we're in right now. We've over-engineered the sales process. We put too much technology behind it. We've lost sight of the fundamentals. And we've had this grow-at-all-cost mentality that is not sustainable. I mean, I mean, I, 10 years, like, oh, so somebody's 60%, you know, quota button seat is better than a 0% quota button seat. So might as well keep them. So there's been no consequences either of you not hitting your quota and target and stuff like that. Now that it's all coming to roost, I, I, there's a lot of sales reps that are in trouble right now, and I don't necessarily think it's their fault, but they're the ones that are in the crosshairs right now. Wow. Wow. John, I appreciate you sharing that. I'm curious. We're talking about sales and I'm, yep. I'm a stack. I know you're not supposed to stack questions, but hey, I'm a stacking. rebel without a yeah. call. <laughs> you stack them and I'll, I'll knock them down. Go ahead. I love it. Number one, how do you define sales? And then number two, what's your personal philosophy around cold calling? 
So how do I define sales? To me, sales is not about convincing anybody of anything. Like if you think that if you, if you're trying to convince somebody in sales, I think you're doing it wrong. Sales to me is about helping people solve problems or achieve goals, period. That's it. Downright, right? Because if you're, and if your problems aren't big enough and your goals aren't big enough, then why are we having this conversation, right? That's why I think sales and customer success are so similar. They're, we're both about helping the client figure out an end goal to help them benefit, right? And so that's why the, the Glenn Gary's, Glenn Ross, the Wolf of Wall Street boiler rooms, like that mentality of sales, first of all, is so old school, it's painful. But second of all, it's not, it's not sales. It, it's it's trickery. It's manipulation. It's it's just not being even a good person, right? Because when you care more about your commission than you do about the client, like you're going to be average at best. And so I think that that to me is sales. The essence of sales is helping people. Okay. Now relate to cold calling. Look, my philosophy on cold calling is do it for a lot of different reasons, right? Because first of all. People say all the time, well, John, cold calling doesn't work for me. Well, okay, if you take cold calling in its in a silo and say, okay, all I'm going to do is make calls. Yeah, guess what? It's hard these days, right? Like it, the connect rates are brutal, right? Uh, you know, even when they do pick up, you throw up on yourself type of thing. But if you look at it as part of your contact strategy, I personally believe that everybody, every sales rep right now needs to be a mini marketer, Right. Because it's not about phone. It's not about people say like eat cold calling is dead. Shut up. Like literally shut up. Right. Or or email is trash. Shut up. None of it is trash. It's the trash the way you use it. So I'd, I'd say you're trash if you don't know how to use it the right way. But it's it's about connecting the dots. Right. So it's, we're all mini marketers. When I say that, it's all about leaving positive impressions everywhere you go. Right. So once you identify your ideal customer profile, it, it, you got to come up with a story, right? So it's no longer a generic cadence that I can just blast out. That's marketing. But I'm if I'm going after Larry, I'm going to figure out, I'm going to go on your LinkedIn profile. I'm going to go on your website. I'm going to try to find all these different reasons for me to reach out to you. And then I'm going to orchestrate a contact strategy that is call, email, social, send something in the mail, whatever it is, so that all those touch points. So my, my approach to cold calling has shifted because I used to lead with cold calling and, and try to get those people on the phone and talk to them. And that was my main way of getting people on, the, like talking to people. But now I've added it as a complement to the overall strategy. And I use it to, as the double tap approach, right? So I'll send you an email and I'll say, Hey, Larry, I just sent you this email. It's two thirty-five on Wednesday afternoon, right? <clears throat> I was hoping that, could you do me a favor and take a look at that? And sometimes I won't, I won't even leave my phone number, right? Sometimes I'll just be like, Hey, this is John Barrows of JB sales. Could you do me a favor? I can check that out. Cause a lot of times, quite frankly, I don't want you to call me back. Like you ever gotten a call back and you had no idea who the person was, right? And you did the whole, oh, hey, hey, uh, Larry, what's up, man? Right? And you're firing up Salesforce. You're like, shit, who Larry, right? Like, I, and I'm not ready for that. So I'd rather you email me back, right? So if I if I leave you a video or a LinkedIn message or compliment, I'll call you and tell you I did that, and that significantly increases my response rates, not callback rates, yeah. response rates for my overall cadence. Wow, that's strong. Double tap, solve problems, achieve goals, cold calling, do it. Speaking of do it, and I'm not sponsored by uh, Nike yet, but uh, it sounds like you're the GOAT. You're the greatest of all time. Are you making cold calls, John? I make cold calls. Yeah. I make cold calls. Yeah. I, I, first of all, uh, the whole practice, what you preach thing. Like, I, I, again, going back to training, if I don't, 
I can't listen to somebody who hasn't done what they're telling me what to do, especially in today's market, right? Like if you haven't done, like today's world is so much different than it was even a year ago at this point. Like you, it's hard for me to sit there and listen to you if you haven't done this stuff. So I'm not saying I'm making 50 dials a day. Like let, let's be, let's be clear here. But as part of it, when I get my, I get my top 25 list once a quarter, I get a new ICP for my top 25. I got three personas, VPs of sales, CROs and VPs of enablement. So that's 75 people. And I come up with my contact strategies. I do one a day. I pick one account a day. I go 30 minutes and I go deep on it and I do all my different research at the same time and I map out my contact strategy once a day and I start to enact that. And always there's part of it is a cold call. Now, again, mind you, my cold calling is much more a complement to a, a broader strategy. So it's not just ripping lists and doing this. It's, hey, Larry, I just sent you a video on LinkedIn. This is what it's about. Could you do me a favor? Just take that out and let me know if you'd be open to having a conversation. Could you hit me and, and feel free to just hit me back on LinkedIn. You don't even need to call me back here. This is John Barrows, JB Sales. Thanks. Click. So. Wow. Wow. Cold call is a part of strategy. It sounds like your cold call is a little bit warm. It's not ice cold. I, I go back to the days and yes, I do have a banana phone of making 150 ice cold calls to accounting firms, CPAs who get paid. And I'll never forget gentleman in New Jersey. I can't remember his name, but he said, Larry, I got something for you. I thought I was about to ring the little bell. Ding, that I got to sign yep. up. I'm yep. going to Sizzler. Well, he had something in store. I did not know that he was about to bop me over the head. He said, hey, I got something for you. He got real quiet. He said, I want you to put on a pair of concrete shoes and jump off a bridge. I said, oh, snap. I, I looked in the manual. I was trying to find how do I overcome this objection? It wasn't in the manual. I looked through it. Yeah, yeah. I said, the first thing that came to mind. God bless you too. And then I hung. <laughs> I said, oh, good googly muggly. I might not be uh, built for tough. I don't know yep. if this is for me. Yep. I was so afraid to pick up that phone, but I had to battle through it. Now I want to know, mm -hmm. you've been doing this for a while. Mm -hmm. What are those traits that separate the good from the average? And really not even that. I want to know what separates the great, the, the, mm. those that are having great success, what separates them from everyone else? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give you my fundamental one. It is, um, it's a belief in what you do is that you genuinely believe that what you are doing and, and what you sell makes a difference for the right person. You know, somebody told me this early in my career that, that sales is the transfer of enthusiasm. And I believe that to my core. Because they, they, people still buy on emotion, they back it up with fact, right? And if you can transfer that emotion and transfer that enthusiasm over to somebody else, right? I, it, like you will, first of all, you'll have a, it'll be a lot easier. Because look, this is a brutal profession, okay? It is a thousand times harder when you do not believe in what you're selling. It's a thousand times harder. And by the way, if you are, if you're listening to this, and I'm sorry to be rude here, but if you are listening to this right now and you do not believe in what you are selling, I beg you to go find another job, please, because you are the reason that we have a bad name. When you're just out there slacking stuff, you know, just to, so you can get your commission check and whatever it is, that's what people think of sales reps. They don't care. They're just trying to get paid. Who cares? But man, when you believe it, Ooh, this is why I think this is why I believe everybody's in sales, right? Because you could take the most introverted engineer you've ever come across in your life, right? But I mean, I used to work in IT services and, and I was like one sales dude within 50 engineers. Okay. And, and by the way, 10 of those engineers were Linux engineers. 
it, it, I don't know if you've ever hung out with a Linux engineer, but good googly moogly, right? I, I mean, there's, there's a joke about Linux engineers, and I did not come up with this joke. The, the guy said, he, the Linux engineer told me, he goes, John, how do you know a Linux engineer likes you? Uh, well, he looks at your shoes instead of theirs when you're talking, right? So, so with the... With that, the belief, and it, it, going back to the engineer, you could tell him like, hey, you're, you're you know, an introvert. I'm not in sales. And be like, okay, cool. I get it. You're not in sales. Do me a favor. Uh, explain to me the last time you, um, you fixed a problem. You found an engineering problem and fixed it. Or, or talk to me about the last time you created something that, that made a difference, right? And you watch them light up like a Christmas tree. And they're like, oh, man, like, you know, oh, the other day I was going through this code and I found this thing and I did this and da, da, da. And you're like, wow, that's cool. Can I get one of those, right? So that that emotion is it, that's why you have to have the belief. That's why if you're if you're struggling with that belief, go talk to the CEO. Literally knock on your CEO's door. I don't care how big of an organization you are and say, "Look, I'm trying to represent this company as well as I can possibly represent it. I need to understand why you why why you started this business, what it means to you. Go talk to some customers, ask them what's the difference we bring to you so you can get that belief because then you can transfer that and then you can deal with the 99 no's to get that one yes. Because every no is getting you closer to that yes that you can make a difference for. That's what the great ones do. And then you add it with, you know, working smarter and, you know, leveraging the tools and being thoughtful and, and all that other stuff and business acumen and being curious. But I think those are the things like, you know, if I would have, if we go back to this AI conversation, I think the things that we need to focus on as sales professionals are empathy, business acumen and curiosity. Like those, those three things, like if, if you can, if you have decent business acumen, you can have true empathy for the person that you are listening, you know, because you've done your homework on them, you've looked and, and you're genuinely curious, that's where the connection is going to happen. So. Wow. John, this, this is amazing right here. Now I love how you broke down your pod, your, your approach, your mm -hmm. process of going after your targeted accounts. Mm -hmm. There's someone out there that's listening right now. And their manager, their organization is saying, you got to make 50 calls, 100 calls, 125, 150 calls a day. So they might not have the luxury of being yep. able to break out the personas. They're just calling blindly. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for that person right now that's listening and saying, I wish I was balling yep. like John, but I got to pick this phone up, this 500 pound phone, hmm. 150 times today. What, what, do you, what do you share with them? Look, I've been there. Okay. I, and I, by the way, you talk, you talk about cold calling. You want to hear, I think you've probably heard this before. Like when I was when my first company, that IT services company, I was 23 years old. So I had no idea what I was doing. And so I just figured I'd, I, I knew I wasn't smart. Like I, I wasn't the brightest kid. Right. So, I mean, I went to Maryland. I drank my way through four years of college. Right. Had some fun down at, you know, the, at the VU. You remember the VU, right? <laughs> Right. So anyways, so I came out and I, but I knew I couldn't control, like I knew I wasn't as good. So, but I would, what I could control was my effort. And I knew I could work harder than I, I, I just have a strong work ethic and I knew I could outwork anybody out there. So I just went to work and I understood my equation. So I started measuring everything. Right. And really getting into the nuances of my conversion ratios, like how many calls to get to connects, how many connects to get to conversations and so on. And I came up with my formula. My formula was, uh, it was 400 dials. Uh, $400 a week, got me eight meetings a month, got me four proposals, got me two pieces of closed business, uh, average deal size of $3,500, right? And so I just ran that equation. And, and, I, and I thought the elevator pitch was it. Like I thought you had to just come up with a kick-ass elevator pitch, right? And just make it rain. And I remember to this day, 
I can still do my my cold call elevator pitch uh, from Thrive Networks. You want to hear it? I would love to. All right, I'm so I'm taking off my glasses here. I get you, I, and I'm gonna shut my eyes. I, I'm not reading this. Ready? This is uh, this this is the voicemail that I left 399 times a week for five years. Ready? It went something like this. I'm sorry. It went exactly like this. Hi, this is John Barrows with Thrive Networks. We do outsourced IT support for small to mid-sized companies in the Boston area, and we take a really unique approach to manage your IT infrastructure by combining the best what people and technology have to offer. We tie our network operations center and our managed services to your environment so we can take care of all the small things on a proactive basis. So when the engineers come on site, they can take care of the higher level, more strategic initiatives, help drive your business forward. I'd love to talk to you about your IT support needs. If you could call me back at 617-529-7271. This is John Barrows with Thrive Networks, 617-529-7271. And ooh, was I proud of that. I would leave that voicemail i'd be like mm, what's up like nailed it again like pitch tone everything was perfect on that one right and then all of a sudden i started paying i started looking at my numbers and i wasn't gonna damn call back i would get more callbacks when i would screw up a voicemail like when i i did this one by mistake one time i was like ah, this is john barrows with thrive networks we do outsourced it to before oh crap look I, i'm sorry i was trying to do pitch there that was a disaster look we fixed computers you got problems with your computers like call me back i got more callbacks with that approach right so i started doing it on purpose now looking back on it and here's here's my advice looking back on it i'd still make 400 dials okay just to figure out the numbers there. But instead of making 400 aisles with a generic elevator pitch, I would come up with four different approaches and I would test them. And I would do 100 calls with each one of them. So for instance, right? Ideally, you're able to segment your list into groups so you can at least be relevant when you're making those volume calls. Because I, you know, the, the best case scenario is I've done research on Larry. I'm on the website. I'm a there's a very specific reason I'm calling you, Larry, over everybody else, right? That's the best case scenario. But you cannot do that at 150 dials a day. So if you can at least segment down into some type of commonality so you can be relevant, and that's the key, and I want people to write this down if they're, if they're listening, is the holy grail of prospecting is, is personalization and relevance. If you can be personalized and relevant at the same time, you, you tend to win the day. But if you force me to choose between personalization or relevance, man, I'm going relevance all day long. I mean, just because you know I went to University of Maryland does not buy you any points these days. But yet I still get emails from reps saying, hey, John, I see you went to U Maryland, go Terps. And then it hard cuts to some value proposition that I have no interest in, right? Yeah. I'd much rather have you say, hey, John, as the CEO of a sales training organization, how have you made the switch from on-site to remote delivery and retained your revenue streams? Like that is a very relevant question you can ask somebody like me. And by the way, you could ask that to 50 other CEOs of sales training organizations, right? So what I would do is look for, first of all, you got to understand the details and, and I'm getting to your question, right? So long-winded answer, sorry. Is like, first of all, you want to know the nuances of your ICP, like the nuances, not just the industry and the role, but like what technologies do they use? Who's the competition in there? All these different nuanced things. So main goal, obviously, of a cold call is to get a meeting. But your secondary goal should be to gather one extra nugget of information so you can better profile them moving forward. So for instance, Larry, like if you're using sales loft or outreach or any one of the tools out there, cadence tools, like that's fantastic for me. Okay. Because that means, because my training plugs right into it and all this other stuff. So now say I'm co-calling you and your assistant picks up and I say, hi, is Larry there? And they say, no, he's in a meeting. Can I put you through to his voicemail? I say, yeah, sure. Just, Hey, real quick, before I go through to Larry's voicemail, do you guys, are you guys using any of the cadence tools like sales loft or outreach or any of that stuff? Just, I'm just curious. And they're like, oh yeah, we are. Why do you ask? I was just curious. Thanks. Click now. 
Now I'll leave you a voicemail. Now I go into Salesforce and I check off the box that says you use sales loft or whatever it is. So the next time I'm calling you, I can be that much more relevant, right? So now if I do that as a data collection approach, as kind of the, the, is, is the secondary thing here, now I have the data in my database that I can then start to run reports on so I can be as relevant as possible with my volume. So for instance, I'm going to run a report that says, I want to see every VP of sales in the SaaS industry under 50 million that's using Salesforce and SalesLoft. That might only be 30, 40, 50 accounts, yeah. but I can come up with messaging that is relevant to VPs of sales in the SaaS industry because that is different than VPs of sales in the manufacturing industry that use Microsoft Dynamics over 100 million, right? And then I can go to work and test different approaches. Like I'm going to come up with two different, so, so let's use that final piece on that. Let's use that VPs of sales SaaS industry under 50 million who use Salesforce and SalesLoft. I'm going to come up with two different approaches to them, two different messages, value propositions. And I'm going to make $25 with this approach and $25 with this approach to the same persona. Yep. And I'm going to test to see which one got me a higher response rate. And I'm going to tweak and tweak wow. and tweak. Your horse, your horse racing, iterate and test. Yep. yep. Wow. I love it. Love it. Relevance personalization. Hey, John, it sounds like you've done this before. You just, you just dropped some gems. For those that are listening, please, in the comments, any questions that you have for John? I got my questions, but I'm being selfish. I'll give you a time to ask some of your questions. Now, John, you've been in this training space. You've been mm -hmm. in this skill development space, this coaching space. What's going on with the gap? What, what's happening with the reps that are giving everyone a bad name, that are smiling, dialing, it's all about them, nothing about the, the prospect, the client. What's yeah. up with that and how do we improve that? If I'm a rep and my organization is giving me some whack, uh, HR has left the building some whack-ass training. Yeah, yeah. What, what do we do? What do you recommend? It's tough, man. I've been battling it for years and I, you know, I don't want to name the charlatans, but they're out there and everybody knows who they are. Um, and that's the problem because look, we have a bad reputation for a reason. Um, <clears throat> sales people do, right? I think it's like the, the least trusted people out there are politicians. The next level up are very above that are lawyers. And then right, right above that, like our sales reps, like, so we're not in good company. Okay. Um, but but the, there's the reason there's a reason for it and it's actually part of the reason and you brought it up earlier my, the book that i wrote with my daughter that i want to be in sales when i grow up sales is the default profession okay i don't know like when i was when when we graduated there was no degree in sales right i mean there was i now you got about i think there's about 100 or so um uh universities that you can actually get your degree in sales in which is good, but it's it's still the default profession, right? So we all go to school and whatever we want to think we want to be when we grow up, which I think is still insulting to ask an 18-year-old kid. And then we we get out of school and we realize either, ooh, I don't want to do this or B, I can't make enough money doing this, right? So let, let me get into sales. I'm pretty good with people, right? And what happens is because most organizations do not have good sales training or onboarding, right? It's mostly product you know, stuff that they onboard people with and then a few skills, well, now you put that rep out into the world and, and you take a, a reasonably good kid who has decent ethics, right? And is, and is a good, good person, right? You put them in that scenario and you tell them, uh, if you don't hit your quota, you're not going to get paid and you're probably going to get fired in a few months. You take that re reasonably ethical kid 
and they will do some unethical things. They will take shortcuts. They will say things that they shouldn't. They will try to do whatever it takes to make sure they hit their number and they don't get fired. So that's where, and then if they unfortunately get exposed to some of the charlatans out there who hit the list and 10X that and you're going to do it and convince them to do this shit, then they go down this track of stacks of cash and look at my fucking Learjet. Like, and that's just, ugh. You know what I mean? Like then it's just, then they get indoctrinated into that world of, of bad habits and of, of being effectively a bad person in a lot of ways. I, I don't, I won't, I don't want to say they are bad people. They just pick, they, they act like bad people in that scenario. And so I think it's, that's why I think it's really important to educate early, right? That book is about introducing sales as a profession to chilled to kids, right? Because when they, when you tell your kid, you're a lawyer, a doctor or whatever it is, they see that on TV. They understand that right but when you tell your five six year old kid that you're in sales they kind of look at you sideways like that well what do you like what's that you just talk to people all day long so but if they thought of it as a profession and all of a sudden learned about like the psychology around it the, the science behind it all that other stuff man they could get out and make a real difference in this world and so i think we need to start earlier but we also have to reverse engineer. And, and, I, and again, I'm not going to say it's the rep's fault. I'm going to say it's leadership's fault, management's fault for skipping the step of educating them the right way and being too eager to grow too fast. And that's why I'm glad some of these venture capitals got punched right in the mouth in the past six months because they're like just stuffing money and it's revenue growth, top line revenue growth over everything. And the pressure down on these poor sales reps to make those calls isn't something that they can control. So I, I'm glad that VCs got their shit kicked out of them in the past six months here. <laughs> Hopefully they learned their lesson. Yep. Now, you just made a comment where you talked about being a difference maker, mm. having an actual impact. Mm. And I'm going to take a quick pause. I'm going to take a deep breath and just download everything you said. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do a, a spill the tea part two. Right, now, now right. John, I was in the crowd when you gave an amazing and impactful keynote last fall. We were in Nashville, good old Nash Vegas at the Ambition Summit. Yep. Where are you in your speaker journey? Because you told a story that had impact on me, true impact. And I don't even, I know you don't even know the impact that that story had on me and that it could have on others. Yeah. Where are you in terms of sharing that story? Because folks need to hear it, especially sales professionals, but even business professionals that aren't officially in sales or have the title where you at i i I gotta i gotta push on you because your message needs to be out talk to me yeah actually that was i what you what you heard there was my first attempt at what i would consider a true keynote um i've always spoken right i've always spoken in front of thousand people whatever it is but i've it's funny because i always do when i when i do um, when i'm up on stage you know, I, you know, I've been through keynotes before where you've watched it and you've been like, all right, thanks for wasting my time. Like interesting conversation, but nothing's going to change about what I did. You didn't even make me think different. Right. And so when I'm up there on stage, I'm always like, I I take the training route because I'm always like, well, if you're going to listen to me here for like, you might as well walk away with something. So I might start kind of high level, but then I'll be like, okay, tactically here, make sure you go do this. Right. And, And that's not a keynote. That's, that's a elevated training, I guess. Right. And so this was my first attempt at, um, and it was it, it was a compilation, you know, a combination of um, you know some some stuff I had been through since my dad passed and the business and all this other stuff. And I went to Sedona and had a little bit of a soul, you know, soul search type of thing. 
And um, yeah, and that was really just a, a, a chance for me to get up in front of a friendly crowd because it, was it wasn't a huge one, right? And I, there was a bunch of people in there that I knew. And, and it was a chance for me to, to, to practice a little bit and, and share that story. And so it did have, you know, and I, I, I genuinely appreciate your feedback on that because yours was the one that kind of pushed me to say, okay, like there's, there's something to this. And so, you know, since then I, I haven't, um, I still haven't tightened it up like where I want it to be yet, but I did put it on a podcast. So on my, on my make it happen Monday podcast, when I got back on the, um, I'm on the HubSpot podcast network now. And, um, I think the, the first episode I, I, I said, you know, instead of me interviewing somebody, I'm going to, I'm going to tell this story and hopefully it resonates because it's about continue. It's, it's about continuous improvement, even through tough times. And I know it's a continuous growth mindset, even through tough times. And I'll, and I'll give you the punchline of it for people here that, you know, for me, after my dad passed, I, it was about a year where I just was, I, I was, I wasn't moving, right? Like I, I was, I was trying, I, I won't say I was searching, but I definitely was, I, well, I will say this, I wasn't lost, but I was definitely searching. No. And, and I'd gone on this trip with my wife and daughter to the Amazon jungle, like the Amazon jungle, right? Like the middle of it. Like I'm talking anacondas, I'm talking like some crazy ass stuff, right? I mean, you can actually go on my Instagram, you can see it, it's bananas. Um, and, and we were walking on the trails in the Amazon and there's, you know, when a tree falls, right? And, uh, and you, you know, you cut the, in the path and you cut it with a chainsaw and then you see the trunk. Well, there was something odd about all that trunk stuff because like, my, my wife and daughter and I always kind of looked and we all noticed the same thing. And so eventually I asked the, the guy, I was like, hey, what's up with all these trunks? Like there's no rings in the, tr there's no rings in them. And, um, and he was like, oh, well, we're, we're, we're on the Amazon, we're on the equator. And I was like, so he's like, well, there's no seasons on the equator. So, so the trees never stop growing, which is why they don't have rings. And that was like a, I had never thought of why trees don't, why trees have rings. I just figured, oh, that's how that you tell how old they are. Right. Well, if you think about it logically, like a tree grows for a season, then it stops and it grows for a season then it stops and it grows for a season. But on the, on the equator, it just, there's no seasons. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I, I was literally up on the, up on the, uh, overlooking, I was on the tallest tree in the Amazon, overlooking the entire Amazon jungle. And I, and it, and it hit me in the face that I had stopped growing. I, I, I was stuck in neutral and, and I, and then I came back and just became obsessed with trying to figure out how to get myself moving again. And so, you know, I just, I shared that story and I, and I went back and I did a lot of homework on, companies and individuals that I know who get through tough times and always seem to come out really strong. And it came up with the three characteristics that I speak about, which is, um, you know, which is, uh, they, they experiment, like they, they keep moving, right? So they keep experimenting, they don't stop. They practice gratitude a lot. Um, and then, you know, they, it's all about continuous improvement. So, man, that, that, that's a gift for those that are listening, make sure you rewind that what John just said. That's a gift to all of us. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, that's got me thinking. It's got me thinking as well, Michael. That makes both of us. John, I appreciate you spilling the tea. I encourage you along your journey and, and hopefully uh, I nudge you to make sure you tell that story because there's folks, I know folks Personally, I, I, I can think of some names. And I know groups that need to hear that message. We can hear that on your podcast. We can go back to your podcast yep. to check that out. Yep. Yeah, I think it's only about five or six, probably about 10 episodes ago. Um, you'll see it. It says keynote, uh, continuous growth mindset. 
we're, we're going to make sure that we highlight that. That is awesome. So let's talk about I am robot. <laughs> I mean, you've yeah. been talking about AI for years and I, I've yeah. heard you talk about it. I mean, shoot, this was circa, I think you said 2017. <laughs> yep. What's going on with AI? How is it transforming? How, the, how has it transformed this, this industry of sales? What is it going to be doing in the future? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm a rep. I mean, I know I'm throwing out three questions here. Mm-hmm. What should I be doing? Yeah. How do I get into it to make sure I use it to be one of those that doesn't go extinct and yeah. that I can be great? Yeah, I mean, look, a lot's going on in this space, and I and I think there's a lot of noise, uh, you know, and, and I I find a lot of people saying how much more efficient they are, but I've yet to find too many people to say how much more effective they are in the sense of results are concerned. So I'm still waiting to see kind of that side of the house of it, but. Look, I, I fundamentally believe that we are going back to full cycle sales. Like this, the, the whole segmentation of roles, the predictable revenue model, it was great for the time being as we were growing like weeds and all that other stuff. But it's not a fun customer experience. Like nobody likes to be handed off five times before they actually talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about, right? Yeah. So I do believe that, that most SDRs and BDRs are going to roll up under marketing and operations. And they're going to be using these tools to, to, to engage with people, but at a different level. I mean, you talked about it before. Like people are scared to pick up that 800-pound gorilla phone. Well, if all you're doing is this all day long with email, you're acting like a robot. So you're going to get replaced by a robot. Like and that robot is better than you. Period. I I'm actually working on, and I'll I'll tell you this. I haven't told too many people this, but in the not so distant future, I'm talking a couple months here, you will have a full blown AI John Barrows coach that is going to be better than me, straight up better than me. And because we can we can we can create our own LLM, our own learning language model, and only put my content in there. So I mean, think about how many blog posts I have, how many all that stuff, right? So all that stuff. Now you can actually engage in the group that I'm working with. said, John, like we love you and you think we think you're great, but what we're going to create is going to be better than you. And I was like, good. I hope so. Right. I hope so. Because, because look, we're all going to get replaced. So you might as well jump onto it. And my best, my best analogy to what's happening with AI right now. And I know you've seen this movie. You ever seen, um, hidden, hidden figures. The movie. Yes. yes. So, love that movie. Right. So, so hidden figure, the subplot of, of human figures was those women, those black women that were called the computers, right? And remember that scene where the, the head of the computers, right? Like that woman, she, she was walking in the main office and she saw that huge IBM mainframe computer get shown up and she looked at it and was like, damn. And this was like way before big computers were a thing, right? And she was like, uh-oh. And she had two choices. Like she could have gone back to her squad and been like, oh, I saw this thing up. We have to get better. We have to be better mathematicians. We have to do our math better because we got to beat that machine. Or she did what she did and she picked up the manual and she started learning about that machine and she started learning how to maintenance it, how to run it, how to fix it, all that stuff, right? So now when they finally turn that mainframe, and and by the way, she learned it and then she brought it back to her computer girls and taught them how to do it. So then when they turn that mainframe on, the, the IBM employees couldn't even figure out how to turn that thing on and work it. Guess who could? So those women went from 100% replaceable to indispensable. And so my, my, my advice for people right now is just start using it. I don't care what it's for. You know, people ask me like, John, what's the, what's the, how, should I, how should I use ChatGPT? 
And I, you know what my answer to them is? That's a great question to ask ChatGPT. Like <laughs> legit, go in there and say, I'm a 47-year-old man. I'm a CEO of a sales training organization. I live in Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm trying to figure out what the hell this AI stuff is all about and how I can leverage ChatGPT. Give me some suggestions. And then just go down the rabbit hole for a little while, right? But this is what I'm suggesting everybody do. And this is the transition that I think we need to be at right now. So I think every sales organization needs to turn their sales org into a sales lab. So hear me out. You know how like engineers have um, uh, hackathons, right? Where you pick a kind of a problem and you all attack it and nerd out for a little bit and fix it, right? Oh. Well, I think we should do that in a, in a structured way. So like say Friday afternoons from two to four, right? Pick a component. Let's go back to that Salesforce uh, um, uh, state of sales report. Pick one of those components, right? And then say, and then give some structure to it and say, all right, everybody, we're going to break up into teams here. Whoever can find an AI tool that can optimize that part of the sales process wins. Go, right? And see what happens. And so now, because there's not a leader out there, I'm sorry, like you, like leaders in, who are like Gen Xers and millennials, uh, Gen Xers and stuff like that, we're not good enough, smart enough, agile enough to make the right decisions top down anymore. We're just not. And also, by the time you evaluate a solution, figure out you, you have a problem, evaluate the solutions, identify the need, you know, and make you're, you're six to nine months out of anything. And can you genuinely tell me what's going to happen in nine months? I can't. So instead, let's get let's get our hands dirty and let's leverage these kids coming out of school who are more AI native than you and I ever would be. Right. And let them nerd out on all this stuff and let's learn from them that what that's going to do is that's going to increase employee satisfaction because you're going to let them play with the tools, but in a structured way. Yeah. You're, and, and if you find a solution, you know, you, you're going to probably be able to reduce your tech stack and reduce your spend. Right. So that's where I think like it's just about this transition that we're in here, because going back to the people that learn how to use this, they're going to be incredible. But the people who aren't are going to be left behind. And it's, it's not my opinion. I, like, it's obvious. This is, this is different. Um, you and I have been through some crazy stuff. Like, we saw the internet. Like, when I was at UMaryland, there was a computer lab that I had to go to. And I was in a special dorm, right? Cumberland. I was in Cumberland, right? I had the uh, computer dorm to it. And I was special because I was a part of the College Park Scholars Program, all that stuff like that, right? And, and, and so we saw the internet. But it, it graduated, you know, and it, it kind of, it, it, it didn't have like a boom impact, right? And I remember, you remember people thought the internet was a fad, right? Oh, this fad, right? Like, and, and, and then we saw DSL, then we saw DSL hit. So it went from dial-up to DSL and that opened up a whole new world. But again, that wasn't like, holy smoke. Then we saw the iPhone, like all this other stuff. This is different. This is exponentially different because it's compounding learning on itself. And so things are going to move so fast right now that people, if you're not at least paying attention, and I don't mean this just for sales reps, by the way, I mean this for any profession, literally every single profession on the planet is going to be impacted by this. So if you are not putting your feet, getting your feet wet on this and at least trying this stuff, the last thing I'll say is, so you don't go down the rabbit hole and waste a lot of time like I have, right? I've done it before where I was like, oh, let me check this out. And like three hours later, I'm like, where am I, right? And I'm like, I haven't done a damn thing of work. So, so book like, create a routine for 30 minutes a day, okay? Like all the stuff that you see on LinkedIn of all these cool tools and these prompts and all that other stuff, create a folder where you save them maybe, you know, on your on you know, Google Chrome or something like that. And then for 30 minutes a day, go in and pick one of them and start messing around with it, but only do it for 30 minutes a day right? 
and just start chipping away at it, right? And because there's so many cool things right now that you can leverage on this, but you just got to get you just got to get in the game, man. You, it's just like playing ball. You can't play ball unless you're in the game. Like practice, you got to practice to be in the game, but you got to be in the game to be to to want to win. John, come on now. I know that you're a Celtics fan. I didn't know AI slipped in here. We talking about practice? <laughs> I, I love how you shared. Get in there. Yeah, yeah. Chip away at it. Yep. Just start using it. I mean, that that is solid advice. Now, Mike Jamison asked a good question. He said, hey, in terms of AI, outside of chat, GPT, yeah. what, what, are, what are your favorites? And I, I can't yeah. wait to see this. And I think I've seen the image. I think I've seen your, your robot image. Yeah, on yeah, your, yeah. Uh, you go on LinkedIn yeah, and say, I got a pin, yeah. It, it, it looks better than you. <laughs> yeah, it's got cool, right? It looks futuristic. It's way cooler than me. Um, yeah, look, I don't, I don't necessarily have a favorite, like, because I'm just playing around with all of them. There's not one of them that's like, oh my God. I will, I will, I'll tell you, there's, there's, um, and, and, they use the AI stuff. I wouldn't say they're AI native, but they use the AI stuff. Like clay, like clay.com is pretty cool. Uh, Perplexity is one that I've used. It's different than ChatGPT. It's a little bit easier to use. Bing is actually, I think, a little bit better than ChatGPT because ChatGPT still, and I, and I know there's some plugins, um, but ChatGPT is still the internet timestamp from 2021 and back. So it's not the updated stuff. So if I ask like, hey, what's the most updated thing, blah, 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 to ChatGPT, it's going to say, sorry, 2021 and back, unless you have some plugins to it. So that's why I like the Bings of the world because they're a little bit more connected to the internet. Um, and then there's just like some note-taking tools that I'm playing around with. Like uh, there's some coaching tools that I think uh, Wonderway is a really cool one. And that's, by the way, where I think AI is going to have the biggest impact in sales is in the short term, at least. And it's it's in it's for coaching. I, because, look, most you know, this. most managers, the number one thing a manager can and should do is coach. Right. Like but they don't because they don't have time to because they're and usually the best sales rep is promoted to be the manager and not given any training and or skills. And so they become deal chasers because that's what they know how to do. So they don't really coach. And even with the great tools out there of the call recording tools and stuff like that. Okay. But like for me, I remember, and I'm not going to name names, but I've used a couple of them and I do, and I use one that I love, but if you are my rep, Larry, and you have a 30 minute call, I now have to listen to that 30 minute call and I, and I can't put it on two X because I, I need to, if I really want to coach, right. I need to listen to for tonality. I need like pace and tone and that type of stuff. If I really want to coach, right. Right. And don't tell me just search for pricing and it'll go to pricing. I need context of pricing. Cause maybe you mentioned something earlier that, that set that up. So for every 30 minute call, it's like a 45 minute to an hour coaching thing that I have to do. You multiply reps, 10 reps, 20 calls a day, you know, that type of thing. Like it's a disaster. And so that's why it's not done. And so coaching with AI for like somebody like you and me who've been in the game for a while, like I've, I've taken a few of them and I'm kind of like, okay, sorry, I didn't ask an open-ended question. My bad, right? Like, give me a break. So I roll my eyes a little, but for that 22 year old kid, that's not getting any coaching and not getting any guidance. That's where I think AI is going to make a huge difference, which is why I'm going all in on creating an AI version of me that will be a coach. That, that, that's amazing. We're about to land this plane, John. I, I got two questions for you. I want to know number one, and the people want to know what's on the horizon. What what's the outlook for John Barrows? What what's popping? Then I want to know what's your. Do you have a word for twenty twenty three for the rest of twenty twenty three? What's your one word? 
One I'm word. Stack, I, I got. I'm guilty of stacking questions. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's on the well? What's on the horizon? Actually, it, it's it's. Rather it's, uh, drop something. It's rather timely. Um, I just read. Um, you, you know the E Myth, the book E Myth, right? No, I haven't read that so, one. E Myth um, is a good book, but they they have another one called E Myth Revisited, and E Myth Revisited shook me a little bit because it 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 kind of mapped out what my challenges were and one of the, and how they solve it though, is they look at small business, you know, entrepreneurs and it's the entrepreneurial myth, right? It, that's what the book is about. And, um, and it, it kind of maps out how you need to look at your business as a franchise, not that you would franchise it, but you need to look at it as a franchise that you would franchise because what that means is you have to operationalize every component of your business so that you could give it to somebody else and they can run it without you. Cause that's always been my fear of what I do is like, all right, well, what happens if, you know, the proverbial hit by the bus or whatever, right? Like that means I don't got no money. You know what I mean? I got nothing left. My wife's got nothing left other than my insurance type of stuff. And so, so I'm trying to figure out how to franchise my operation. So that would be my word is franchise. And, and, and how I'm doing it is on the horizon is through this, you know, at least I think, and, and I don't know enough about the technology yet, but I'm working with some smarter people than me, um, to be able to take this and create a LLM that is mine, that is my content, and then um, be able to create an AI version of me, right? So it's Jay Barrows approved, because that's the thing right now, nobody knows who to trust at this point, right? Because there's so much information out there and nobody knows. And there's all these people who just come into the space and are, you know, hot and whatever, but they haven't been here for a minute, right? And so I've been really methodically building my brand for the past 20 years. And I I've, I've could have taken some shortcuts and I didn't. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 and it's been frustrating because I'm not 10X of all these other people, but I've tried to really focus on authenticity, on being real and, and not, you know, screwing people over. And so that brand now I think is, is going to be helpful for me because if I create an, a, an AI bot that is JB sales approved, of content that only I say is legit, well, now all of a sudden you can get a trusted source, hopefully, to help guide you through this sales process and be there for you whenever. And then if I do it right, hopefully I'll be able to come to you, Larry, and be like, hey, Larry, I just figured out this model. Uh, do you want in? I can create an AI version of you and you can be a Larry Long Jr. coach and, and you can create an annuity for yourself. And so I'm going to try to franchise, but, but also the main goal is to bring as much value to as many people as I possibly can, which is what this is going to allow me to do, hopefully. Oh, I love it. Hey, John, I can't thank you enough. And I got to be honest, I did a terrible job of time management. This is the cold calling podcast. I'm not set up to make cold calls. It sounds like I'm scared of picking up that 500 pounds. I, I was ready, man. I was ready. I was like, I'll get on the calls with you. I'll embarrass myself in front of all these people. <laughs> we're we're going to have to have you back for round two eventually. Where can people connect with you? Yeah. So you put the LinkedIn up there. I, I will say, and I know this sounds horrible. It sounds like a humble brag, but it's not. It's more annoying than anything else. And LinkedIn, if you're listening, please take this limit off. I've hit the 30,000 limit as far as connections on LinkedIn. So I can't accept your connection. Um, but uh, you can still follow me and all that stuff. But actually the the, the easiest way to get into you go to jbarrows.com. So J, uh, John, I'm sorry, johnmbarrows.com or jbarrows.com j-b-a-r-r-o-w-s both of them will take it to the same place that's where you'll get all my information I put a ton of free content on there but if you want any free consulting um, uh, go to my Instagram and hit me up there it's johnmbarrows so j-o-h-n-m as in Michael Barrows 
And that's where I give away all my free consulting. So if you want to hit me up like a little video, I'll be like, hey, what's up? We'll get back to you pretty quick. So those are some areas that you can uh, come along and then join me on the Make It Happen Monday podcast. We're having some fun. I've had Larry on a couple of times. So yeah, we'll have some fun on that too. I love it. Making it happen. John, from the bottom of my heart, I speak on behalf of myself, Monster Connect, all of our listeners, viewers, those that are, that are here live, those are, that are going to watch the recording. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to share so much knowledge, so many insights, so many gems. Oh, we appreciate you. And I just want to let you know, I said it before, I want to give you your flowers now. You've had an impact on my life and I'm so appreciative of it. You are definitely the godfather of modern sales coaching and just an amazing, amazing person. Thomas Tyler said, thank you for your time today. I just want to give a quick reminder to everyone that tuned in. Thank you. Please join us next Wednesday, 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific. Our next guest, the amazing sales influencer, founder of the National Association of Women Sales Professional. We're going to have Cynthia Barnes here. We can't wait to have I Cynthia. Cynthia. But, yeah. but I just want to say thank you, John. Any last parting shots, any last comments that you want to leave us with? Just get better. Just get. Just try to get a little bit better to, to today. Look at yourself in the mirror today and say, did I get better today? Am I better today than I was yesterday? And if you have that continuous growth mindset and, and you just, look, you're not always going to hit it, right? You're not always going to get that much better. But I live by that one percenter, right? Try to get one percent better every day. Do one extra push up, make one extra cold call, whatever it is. Try some, t- test something and figure something out. And the last, like, here's the example. When I talk about split testing, Split test, right? Because if I tell you make 50 dials, let's end on a cold call note. If I tell you to make 50 dials in a day and you get no meetings, that's a terrible day, right? But if I tell you make 50 dials and you do 25 dials with this approach and 25 dials with this approach and you still get no meetings, to me, that's not a bad day because you just figured out two approaches that don't work. Tomorrow you come and try a couple new ones and eventually you're going to start to figure things out. It'll help you stay motivated. So thank you, Larry. I can't thank you enough for having me on. I think I'm, I'm humbled and privileged to be here with you. And like I said to everybody, like you are one of my favorite people, like the impact you've had on my life. It, you don't even know, man. Cause I, I just think of your smile. I think of your attitude every time I'm, I'm being negative or something like that. I'm like, man, what would Larry Long Jr. do right now? And he would pick up his mic. He would pick up his bat and he would go to work and, and with a smile on his face. And so hopefully, uh, hopefully we made a few people smile today. <laughs> hey, John, thank you so much for dropping the mics on us, for knocking out a home run. Good luck to your Red Sox, your Patriots, your yeah. Celtics. I know you're a ride or die. I think I've seen the suit. Celtics. Yeah, Celtics. Uh, right. You see Jalen Brown just got $300 million for that? Like, woo, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, got to love it. But hey, we wish you all the best. Continued success. And just thank you for serving this community with just such uh, just amazingness and excellence. Thank you so much, John. We'll see everyone next Wednesday. Thanks, brother. Later. Peace.